You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. Okay, we have a TMT today, and our TMTs are two-minute teachings, um, two-minute teachings, trainings, or missions reports. And today, we're going to hear from John Warden. He's going to come up and talk to us a little bit about our overall approach to global missions. And um, that's going to be in preparation for September the 8th, where we're going to hear from the Schneiders. It's just going to be a great day. You don't want to miss it. It's coming up quick, just a couple of weeks. And we're going to get to see how that process kind of works itself out in the life of the church. So John's going to come and share. Thanks, John. Wonderful. Good morning, everyone. Uh, yeah, I just want to share for just a brief moment here a little bit about uh, kind of the some part of the vision of global missions, but we'll unpack that a lot more as time passes, but also the Schneiders um, and a little bit about our partnership with them. Let me just start by saying, if you follow Jesus, you are sent. If you've surrendered your life to Christ, call him your Lord and Savior, you are a sent one. You're sent. In the New Testament, Jesus is referred to as 40 times as being sent. In fact, some of his final earthly words, John 20, 21, says, Just as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. We are sent ones. It's an opportunity and a privilege that God has given us in him. If, if I could sum up a little bit of, about what I love about Life Church, it's this, it's this fabric, this passion that we have for discipleship. It's written into our mission that we would make disciples in our neighborhoods and beyond. And it's our desire that we would equip you, we'd empower you, and that we would send you. That you would go out to build the kingdom. There are four and a half billion people or more across the world who do not know Christ. And the Bible says the harvest is plentiful. But we are part of that labor force. And we want to equip you and send you out to be a part of that. Not just in your neighborhood but around the world as well. You know, the mark of a good church, the mark of a great church is not its seating capacity. It's its sending capacity. And we want to send you. We want to send every one of us to have an opportunity to to love the Lord, to love others, and to share the gospel uh, across the world. 39 of the 40 miracles in the book of Acts happen outside the walls of a church. God is transforming many lives across the nation, and we want to be a part of that as individuals and as a church. That's part of the reason why I'm really excited about the Schneiders uh, coming here in two weeks as well. They'll be here on September the 8th sharing a little bit with us. Um, and they have uh, responded to this call for 14 years longer, but 14 years specifically in Turkey, as I shared last week. Um, and we thought it'd be good just to take a moment to say, what does our partnership with them look like? There's probably some questions around what exactly does that look like? So uh, they are the one missionary family or the kind of missionary unit that we support on a monthly basis as missionaries. Financially, we support them on a monthly basis. Um, and there's three criteria that have been put together by a team about a year or two ago. They sat down and thought and prayed about what some of the criteria for this partnership would be. Um, and there's three, three points that I just want to share briefly with you. And that's, this is where we kind of sit today. These things will probably evolve a little bit and change, and there'll be things added to them so that we have a, a robust structure to be that sending church even more so than what we are right now. So the first criteria um, is that they would go, or that a missionary would go with a reputable organization. And this is really important. There's a lot of people doing a lot of great work around the world, but we really as a church want to partner and connect with those organizations who are doing reputable things, who we Uh, we believe are effectively sharing the gospel, effectively developing missional movements around the world. So that's one, is uh, is being connected to and going with a reputable organization. Secondly, 
Um, the second piece is that you would go midterm or long-term. We have lots of short-term mission work happening. It's awesome. You're going to hear some testimony of some people who have done that this past summer over the coming weeks. But when it comes to a monthly partnership, we're looking to partner with those who are going midterm or long-term. Midterm meaning one or two years. Long-term meaning two years or longer. So that's one of the criteria is that we would partner with those folks. And thirdly, um, this, this piece is one that will continue to develop a little bit as well. But right now the criteria is that we would not support you at more than 10% of your support budget that's needed to be raised. So not more than 10%. And there's a couple different thoughts behind that. Number one, the more people you can involve in your ministry, the better. Right? The more people you have praying for you, the more people you have encouraging you, and even more... Uh, as we ask people to join in with us uh, in our work, you're giving them an opportunity to receive the blessing of giving to the work that God is doing around the world. So that's kind of one nuance of that. Secondly, it's, it's never good to put all your eggs in one basket. I have lots of people that I know who've been in missions who have had a church that supported them 70, 75%, and something happens. There's a pastoral change, or there is some kind of a policy change, and lo and behold, all the, all of a sudden they find out 75% of their, their support is dropped, and they're over in Jakarta, Indonesia, and they're thinking, what am I supposed to do? And it's brought them home. So it's good to diversify, if I will, if you will, some of that. So that's part of that. And then thirdly, here's the reality. If you have ever raised support for a ministry or for a mission trip or anything like that, you know that it's hard, that it's exhausting, and that it's uncomfortable. Well, guess what? It's a precursor to what you will face on the field. It is hard, it is exhausting, and it is uncomfortable. And I believe uh, that this part of the process that God wants to use to refine us, to refine our character, to trust in him, and to depend on him. And this process of raising support is so vital to our preparations as missionaries to being sent across the world to do God's work. I'm excited about what's happening. I'm excited about what's going to happen in the future. And I'm excited to be a part of what's happening here at Life Church in this area. So more to come on this. Make sure you're here on September 8th. And if you have not yet given to the Schneiders to put that basket together for them, to just bless them and love them as they come on their furlough and visit us, please do. We'll have the basket. It'll be sitting right up here after the service for you to give. So thank you very much. Amen. Thanks, John. Okay, let's get into our text today. We've got two texts from the book of Hebrews. Um, it's going to be up on the screen, but if you don't have a Bible with you today, there should be an ESV version back in the prayer room. You can grab one of those. If you don't own a Bible, you can take that home with you. That's our gift to you today. I want you to be looking at the text, studying along with us. Hebrews chapter 3, 12 through 13, and then we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10, 24 through 25. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be, may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And then Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is God's word. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Well, we've been a few Sundays in looking at relationships, and first of all, I really challenged you to look at relationships outside the church, outside the four walls, and in particular with people who are not believers. So asking you to 
uh, evaluate your own heart and where you land in your ability to be a friend of sinners, okay? And so that's an important piece of relationships. But then uh, this past Sunday, we moved back into the four walls, okay? And we started to talk about what does it really mean to be relational inside the church. And I said I'm going to give you about four words to describe what those relationships are. Uh, We got through a couple of them. um, And so I want to just rehearse that just a little bit here this morning, um, get you back into that place and talk to you about these other two components that I see Um, And let's look at these passages of Scripture uh, that Pastor Dave read to you as we do that, all right? So last Sunday, we talked about how that these relationships that we're talking about with one another should, first of all, be described as personal. And uh, by personal, we mean um, not just functional, all right? But they actually have depth to them. To be personal would mean that we would relate to each other about personal things, all right? Not just professional things or not just about superficial things, but we would actually go deep with one another and actually begin to share our personal life with others. Now, I've heard a number of you say to me, and I've heard you say it to other people, um, and I've heard it in very unique ways. Uh, Some of you just simply politely say, you know, I'm just really not comfortable sharing about myself with others. And some of you have a different approach, and you're like, I ain't sharing my stuff with nobody. I get both, all right? That is a tendency within us. Regardless of our style or our personality, a lot of us have difficulty going deeper or going personal. But folks, we have to create a culture here that makes this the safest place in the world for you to share something that you're going through. There has got to be somewhere where you and I can unload, confess, share, discharge, whatever the case may be, so that we can get stuff out of us and so that the Holy Spirit can work through us and process with us a healing path. And that's, that has to be true for all of us, all right? So we, we relate not just about those superficial things or those functional things, but we relate about personal things with one another. And remember we talked last Sunday about how Jesus has this concentric circle going on, and he's our model, isn't he? And so he, he has a circle of greater influence and then a, a deeper circle of even greater influence until he finally gets down to there is that one guy, okay, that is his, 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 his real close friend, his really, really like, like David-Jonathan kind of relationship going on with Jesus and with John. And, and we have to be able to say that that is an important thing for all of us to be able to do that, all right? And it's dangerous when we do other things, like if we move into the place of being really introverted and we don't want to have those kinds of relationships, or we get cliquish and we only want a very safe contingency around us and a very small contingency around us so that it feels safer to us, all right? Now, Jesus did go, we said, to a quiet place and an alone place, a solitary place. But as an example, he didn't stay there. He didn't go there and live there. He didn't go there and dwell there. He went out to be refreshed in the presence of God, the Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit. But he always came back ready to be poured out again, if you will, all right? And so one of the realities of a growing church like Life Church is, is that you and I, um, we, we cannot be 
deeply relational with every single person in the church. We have to find ourselves with others relating on one of these concentric circles, so to speak, all right? And so there's going to be different depths of relationship that you have with others inside of Life Church. But the culture that we want to create here as we start to look at this is a culture where we understand that every one of us can have levels of personal relationship with one another. We can actually go there with each other. So our aim here now in Life Church is that we create this culture where everyone is able to relate to everyone in a personal relationship, all right? Um, but that atmosphere is, is, is so uh, welcoming, so peace-oriented, all right, that these kinds of relationships actually start to form easily. They're not hard. They're not difficult. They're, they're not awkward for us anymore. But we actually are free in doing that, all right? And so the culture we want here, not only for ourselves, but as others come in, is that, that we have an ease into personal relationships. Not only that they're easy to get into, but they're actually prized and they're nurtured. In other words, we're placing a high value on relationships with one another inside of the body, all right? Why? Well, I know that a lot of us have believed that we get into relationships for our personal benefit, and that's why we relate to one another. It's really about me. Like, I'm going to build relationships because I want to put people around me who will like me and, and who will be nice to me and kind to me, and I want to have a little bit of fun with that group of people. So I'm going to be very careful about how I select a person that I am to be in relationship with. Folks, Jesus is not calling us to be in relationship so we have a few good people that make us feel good. Jesus is calling us in relationship with one another because he knows that it is hard to live in this world without sin. And so relationship isn't to make you feel good. Relationship is to help you not to be sinful. Relationships are established so that you and I are living a life without sin and that we're being accountable to the life we are living so that we are guarded from that sin. And we can do that some on a personal level. So your fight with sin is personal to some degree, but it is also communal. And that's what this passage in Hebrews chapter 3 is bringing us to. Because he starts out in verse 12 saying, hey guys, take care. In other words, you watch out. In other words, get responsible for yourself personally and your sin level. You need to be responsible and well-defined about where your heart's condition is. Do the best that you can to understand where you really are. So he says, take care, brothers, lest there be any of you in an unbelieving heart. Actually, he calls it an evil, unbelieving heart. And that would lead you to fall away. That would lead you from falling far from the living God. In other words, you have a certain responsibility yourself to be very aware of where you are spiritually. But that is difficult because the Bible says the heart is wicked. Who can know it? 
And there's a lot that you and I cannot even understand about our own place. And if we're not careful, we can become comfortable and concrete inside of our own sinfulness and not even realize it. And there we're stuck because there is no one to speak into that place in our lives. I can see so much. Like, as I look at you right now, and as I'm talking to you, I can actually see a bit of that table over there with that white cloth on it, all right? My, my peripheral vision is pretty good, all right? And I, I can see the one over here, all right? When I'm looking straight at David, I can see everything about David, even what David cannot see himself. But here's the amazing thing. There's a piece of me I can't see. There's a piece of me behind me, and I don't know what's back there. I can speculate, but I don't really know for sure always what's behind me. But if I'm walking with this brother, and he's watching my life, he sees what I can't see. There's an amazing truth to a phrase called, I got your back. If I got your back, you don't have to worry about your back, because I got it. But if I don't have it, you better look out because we're all wicked and our hearts can deceive us and our hearts can move us. And if they can move us towards God, they can also move us away from God. And so the writer of Hebrews is saying, hey, take care. In other words, be diligent. You do something about this. You exhort one another in every Way every day, do this, all right? Exhort one another every day as long as it's called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. In other words, I need my brother to help me not be deceived. The likelihood of me being deceived is pretty high, actually, folks, and so is it for you. Because that's what the enemy is about, roaming about, seeking whom he may devour. He's not trying to make you tell a little white lie. He wants to destroy you. And so you and I need this life with one another. We need to get personal with one another so that we're living out the, the, the way that God intended for us to live so that we are fighting sin, not only personally, but also communally. So I have to take responsibility, and I have to be diligent, and I have to be in the spiritual disciplines, and I have to be accountable to someone else. But it gets communal at that point, and I need my brother, and my brother needs me, and I need my sister, and my sister needs me, and we need one another because our heart is wicked and subject to being deceived by the enemy. And folks, it is a dangerous place for you to try to live this Christian life alone and isolated from the rest of the body. You cannot, according to Scripture, say that you do not need someone else in the body of Christ. All right? We need each other. The second thing that I talked to you about last time, or last Sunday, was a deepening relationship. It's not just a personal relationship, but it's a deepening relationship. And that simply means that we are not to stay at some level of being superficial with one another. All right? Knowing a few personal things about people and, and, and asking, uh, you know, in a kind of glib sort of a way, you know, how you doing? And you say, 
living the, living the big life or living the dream or living the good life or whatever, and you just pass it on and you move on, and there's nothing else any deeper than that. Folks, that's foolishness. You and I don't need to be asking someone how they're doing if we don't have a heart that really cares about how they're doing. And if you and I let that conversation go on, and that's the kind of culture that we develop in Life Church, shame on you. Shame on all of us. That's not the way God intends for us to live. He intends that we should live in these deepening relationships with one another, all right? I've done it. We've all done it. Hey, we should have coffee sometime. Yeah, we should. You know, text me. Four months later, you think maybe they forgot about it, or you forgot about it, and you go, hey, we should have coffee together. And they're probably going, I know, you said that three months ago. We do this, all right? We have to stop doing this. We have to start being intentional. If you're not intentional to make a change, you'll never make a change. So we have to be intentional about deepening these relationships with one another, all right? And we, we can't go deeper into relationship with one another unless we follow the biblical command. And I think you find it in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, where it says, bear one another's burdens. Go into that place with one another where it's heavy. Go into that place where it's hard and where it's difficult. And now this is a two-way street, and I want to challenge all of you as God's people. If, if God has put it in someone's heart to love you and to stand with you and to care about you, and to walk with you. Don't close your heart to that. That is the gift of God. That is the great gift of the Lord, is that person wanting to come in to that hard place with you. And that's the one place the enemy is constantly saying, don't show them. Don't expose that. They won't like you. They won't be your friend. They'll reject you. They'll realize that something's wrong with you. I mean, there's all kinds of messages that the enemy relays to us. But the reality, the enemy is trying to keep the door closed to the very thing that God is opening up for you. And that is a relationship that can help you, encourage you, equip you, uh, be your cheerleader, walk with you, walk in the deep, hard places with you, help you carry the burden that you are carrying. And I'm not using the word deep because I think that this is a progressive type of relationship. It is a deepening relationship. In other words, it's going on all the time. And, and when you first meet someone as a Christian and you're, you, are, you become a covenant member in Life Church, say, and now you want to reach out and touch somebody else's life as a covenant member and you want to go deeper with that person, it's not like, boom, okay, we're deep. I'm a covenant member. You're a covenant member. We're all covenant members. Let's be covenant members together. Now, that's crazy. It doesn't happen that way. It requires time, and it requires effort and energy. It requires you putting forth the effort that is needed on your part. Our aim is that more and more we have this kind of atmosphere in Life Church where there is this movement towards these deeper depths of relationship and that they are nurtured inside of an atmosphere that discourages this shallowness and actually encourages going even deeper. 
And so we're letting one another in. You know, we're opening the door. I, I remember um, a season when I lived in, in, in Florida. I, I lived in a really rough neighborhood. Um, and the person who lived next to me was actually a prostitute. Um, and the person who lived on the other side of me was actually a very serious drug dealer. And I lived in the middle, so I was squeezed in the middle of these two people. And a lot of the people who wanted to visit either or the other of these two people sometimes got confused. I figured it out. It was because I left my light on on my porch, and so I had to finally cut, turn the light off on the porch, and it, it helped some, okay? But then I'm in the dark now, okay? You know, but people would knock on my door, and I would go to the door because I didn't have the little thing to look out. And I had the, the, the latch, you know, the chain. And so I would open the door just a little bit, and I would go, yeah. And they would explain what they were doing, and I would say, to the left or to the right. <laughs> Close my door, click, 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 put the chains back on, knock it, you know. Go back and lay in my bed. I wasn't worried about the door. I was worried about the fact that my window in my bedroom could actually fall out. It was so loose. And did on occasion. So anybody could have got me, you know. But that, that, was, a, that was just a, a window of time in my life where I, I was living, you know. But I wasn't letting anybody in because nobody was safe. And so I would just barely crack the door just to make sure. Because every once in a while it might be somebody wanting to see me. But it wasn't likely. And I think sometimes we live that kind of fearfulness inside of the church. And we only open the door just a little bit. And even then, we've got a safety latch on it because nobody's coming in too hard and too fast. That's just too dangerous. That's just too much. And so I can't, I can't trust that. And so out of my fear, I stay in that place of not going deep. All right? Now, how do we do that? Well, I think that second passage in Hebrews that David read to you helps us to understand that better. Let's consider. In other words, let's think about and strategize. How might we stir one another? How, how might I ignite you? How, how might I, I excite the, your, your spiritual passions in you? How can I spur you on? How can I get you to that place where you actually make consideration, where you actually think in such a way as this might be good? And what am I stirring you up to? I'm not stirring you up to more fear. All right, and I'm afraid sometimes if we have a relationship with one person and it's us and them and nobody else, what we actually tend to do is stir each other up to enable one another to stay afraid of doing anything more. Let's just keep what we got. It's just the two of us. This is the way it needs to be. It's you and me against the world, bro, so let's just have a good time, just to us. And we're not going to let anybody else into that. Or, you know, hey, we're just sisters, man. We're, this, it's you and me. We're the sisters, and we're going to do this together. And we're not going to let anybody else in. We're just going to be here safe together because we've both been hurt. We, we can't live those kinds of lives. He says, consider how, not should you or shouldn't you, consider how you're going to stir one another up to love and good works. That's the key right there. These relationships are based on the spirit of sovereign love, God's holy love for us because God loved me and received me when I was in sin, when I was down there living in that place, in that depth of darkness and ugliness. He sent his son Jesus to die for me 
so that I could come up out of that. He wanted relationship with me. He desired to have me, all right? And he paid the the price to do that. He gave the sacrifice necessary for that friendship and that intimacy to happen. And now he's asking you and I to sacrifice. He's asking us to give at a level that maybe is really uncomfortable for us, but to do that in order to have relationship at a level that someone understands his sovereign love that he has for all of us. And so as we relate to one another, the love becomes abounding. And as that love is abounding through us and being poured out of us, there is transformation that is happening in terms of each person, all right? And so he says, don't neglect getting together or meeting together, all right? But encourage one another, All the more as you see that day drawing near. He says in chapter 3, all right, I want you to exhort one another every day as long as it's today. In other words, until we know Jesus is coming. We know he's coming, but until until he's right there, until it's that day, I want you to encourage one another. And in Hebrews 10, he's saying, keep doing this all the more as you see that day coming nearer to us, as we're getting closer to that second coming of Christ, as, we're, as, as the world is getting in a mess, as the world is going deeper into sin and darkness and all of that, as we see all of this happening, all the more, my friend, get in relationship. Get involved with each other so that others can speak into your life because as that day approaches, it will become even harder to live outside of the deceptions of the evil one. And you don't want your heart to get hard. And so that brings me to the third word that I'd like to describe to you today, and that is supportive relationships. So we got to get in personal relationships, all right? That's absolutely essential. We've got to continually be in deepening relationships with one another. But these relationships need to be supportive relationships, all right? This is where this love comes in. And this is where I think Hebrews 10 builds on Hebrews 3. Is we're talking about relationships now that are of love, all right? And, and, and when we say love, what we mean is that you have a heart, all right? You have a heart to lighten people's load as you get to know them, all right? You, you, have, you have a desire to walk with people, all right? Love means that you're a load lifter. It means that you're a burden bearer. It means that you're a helper. You're a strengthener. You're an encourager, all right? It means that you're generous, that you're giving, all right? And so we are cultivating a culture here where there is a a stir up or a spur one another on kind of mentality, all right? We're going to get in there with each other and encourage each other in this. And everything I'm talking about today, I know that you and I need it ourselves, I'm asking you to give. I'm asking you to pour out. I'm asking you to be intentional. I'm asking you to move forward and all that kind of stuff. But I know that everything I'm asking you to give out, you actually have a desire for and a need for. And I, I get that. I understand that. And that, that, is, that is right, all right? That is real, all right? But I, I want you and I to understand what God is asking of us, and that is to trust him for what we need, 
Trust him for what he can give to us. And so like the Apostle Paul, our lives start to reference as he referenced his own life to being poured out. Because on several occasions, that's what Paul says. I am being poured out. In other words, I'm being emptied by God. All right? And here's the thing. We've said it around here so many, many, many times. Life Church has been blessed to be a blessing. We never put a period at blessed. All right? We never forget the source. And we never forget the intentionality of that source. And we never forget the purpose of that work. We are blessed to be a blessing. All right? That carries down in every one of our lives. You and I are blessed to be a blessing. You're not blessed just so you feel good. You're not blessed just so you get what you want. You can have a lot of things, but you're blessed ultimately to be a blessing, and your life needs to be poured out. Your life needs to be given out to others. If there's no one in your life that you are pouring into in some capacity, you are missing the mark. God's intent is to fill you up, yes, but he's filling you with the Spirit so that he can pour his spirit out of you. I, I, I want my preaching to help people, all right? Um, but preaching is not enough. And, and I want Sunday morning to be a great experience for us where we are challenged and where at the end of the service, there's a moment where we, we are confronted with the truth of God's word and we have to make some kind of application in that moment. But then after we've been cut open and exposed, we get put back together and we sing a song and we go try to do it, you know? These are all important things. And sometimes I feel like when David and I talk about the church, we almost kind of like give you the idea that, well, Sunday morning's not that important. On one level, it's so important, so don't even think about not coming, okay? But on a bigger level, it isn't the most important moment of your week. That is when the integrity of what God does for you on a Sunday morning comes alive and is activated in your very being, and there are tangible witnesses of what God has done in your heart to make you a more relational human being so that you can share the love of Jesus and the light of the kingdom. And that's what God wants for us. That's, God, that's what God wants us to do, all right? So these relationships have to be supportive relationships where we're encouraging each other to do that. And you need to talk to each other from time to time as you get to know one another on a deeper level and say, hey, how's your witnessing going? How's your disciple-making going? Are you in a D group yet? <laughs> Are these kinds of things that would encourage us and move us towards one another and not let us get too far away from one another. There's always going to be a, a tendency from time to time to push back from the table. That's just human nature. But what we're saying is we're going to create a culture that says, oh, you can't do that too quick. Come on, get back in here. You know, we're just not going to let each other push away too fast, all right? And the fourth thing that I need to say to you about relationships today, I think, is our relationships need to be faith-building. At the end of it all, when it comes right down to it, and I think this might be of the greatest importance, all right, these relationships need to be faith-building. And by that, I mean the bottom line of why does God design us for relationships, which he did, by the way. And that is so that we could help each other live by faith and receive the grace that is necessary to serve faithfully. We live by grace, all right? 
And that's, I think that's what he's saying here in Hebrews. You, you need to be together, all right, encouraging each other. In other words, consider how you can stir the love of God up in each other, all right? Consider how you can stir up a desire to do good works in one another. If you, if you are with a brother or a sister and there is no fruit in their lives, I think love should compel you to ask them about that. Love is not something that we move on so that we just make each other feel good. Tell each other how wonderful we are, how great we look. and all. You ought to do that. That's a good thing to do in the right motive, in the right spirit, in the Lord. All right? But at the same time, the greater love, the agape love, the love that is based on giving and sacrifice says, I'm going to risk everything to ask you that one hard question because love would compel me to do that. It's not my love. It's God's love. But that's the love I love you in. I, lo I, I love this man, but I love him in God's love. I want him to succeed in Christ. I want him to be a man of God. I want him to, to rise up and do everything he can for the God. And I want the same for all of you. So I'm going to love you. But I'm going to love you with a love that with much grace and much gentleness ask a hard question. And I'm not going to be afraid of that because that's a true expression of love. And if all I do is tell you you look good and, and, and you got all these wonderful things going on about you, but I let you walk away and inside of me there's an angst saying something isn't right there. Something isn't congruent right there. And I let that go? I haven't loved you. I have no love for you if I let you go. And I don't talk to you about the very thing that the burden of the Lord has put on me. And that's the way we live with one another. We live in that place of being able to go and speak the truth in love to each other as the body of Christ. And you know what? When that happens, when those moments happen, as tense as they may be or as awkward as they may feel to you, those are the moments when you should be able to say, I have never felt so loved in my life that my brother and my sister would risk our relationship to ask me the hard question. They have to love me. That they put themselves in that position of awkwardness and, and uncomfortability, uh, whatever that word is, to, to say, hey, this is risky, but I want to do this because at the end of the day, I love you. I really love you, and I want you to know God. And I want you to, to, to love God. And I want you to serve God. Is this making sense to all of you? I mean, man, this is, this is where, if, if we can get this, it will flourish. Life Church will flourish. God, God will do amazing things inside of Life Church when we are living out this kind of culture and this kind of dynamic, all right? Let me, um, let me close by bringing back two points that I talked about uh, just, a, just a little bit ago. Um, I want to talk about God being very personal, uh, the, the, the whole personal relationship piece of things. I want to talk about that just a minute. And then I want to talk uh, about this communal thing just a little bit. Um, sin is a cancer. It doesn't care about you. It will destroy you. It, it has every intent to do that. 
And when our heart starts to disbelieve or become an unbelieving heart, we have to be able to see and recognize that and let others see and recognize that in us. Everything in you and me, if, if we keep everything really personal, by that I mean we keep everything inside of ourselves, the heart will want to protect itself. It will set up a guard against everything that I'm talking to you about. And there's a huge difference between I want to be just personal and just, I want just a personal walk with God and it's just me and God. I remember a little, a, a little old lady got in my face when I first became a Christian. Back then there was a song uh, that people were singing in church and out of church. Uh, but the song was, Me and Jesus, We Got Our Own Thing Going. And it had a catchy little country tune to it. And so people down south really loved it. And so I was walking out of church one morning, and I was like, me and Jesus, we got our own thing going. Oh, me and Jesus, we got our own thing going. And all of a sudden, there was this tap on my shoulder, and she said, do you know what you are saying? Do you have any idea what you are singing? She goes, you need to hush. <laughs> and I'm like, what? What did I, what did I do wrong? And she said, it ain't about you and Jesus. Yeah, you need to be with Jesus more than you have been. <laughs> she goes, but this is not about you and Jesus. This is about Jesus taking your life and breaking it like bread and giving it to others that they can have the same life that you have. So just stop singing that mess. And she just walked away, happy as could be, just doing her little thing, 80-something years old or whatever, you know. There was no more loving word given to me than that word that day to awaken me and quicken me to the reality that my life is not my own. I got to close, and so I'm going to close with this, and then Nathan's going to come and um, <clears throat> lead us into the end of the service here. Um, I just spent the last four days on a beach in Texas. It was great. Yeah, it was great. It's really great when you just do what you want to do, you know, and I, I went down doing what I want to do, but here's the reality. I also went down looking at well, maybe this is a great option for me, you know. Somewhere down the road, I could have a beach house, and winters are hard in South Dakota, and I could just be on the beach, you know, and I'm sitting there, you know, on a deck, uh, looking out over the ocean uh, at, a, at a picnic table, just enjoying it, you know. And uh, God spoke profoundly. Why are you spending your time down here thinking about something that is not yet, when I have called you to be somewhere doing something now. And when you're done there, I'll let you know. And then you need to have your heart ready before I let you know, so that if I tell you something else that's not in your plan, you'll be able to say yes. 
And in those moments, it was like, okay, I'm being poured out. And I'm still trying to put it all back in the cup. And I'm feeling like it's just spilling away. But when God pours you out, it's so intentional. And it's so purposeful. And it's so for him. And so I was like, I need to go home. I need to go home and go back to where I'm doing what God told me to do. And I need to just stay right there. Every one of us today, folks, let's just come home. Let's come to that place where God has set us and called us. And let's be intentional. And let's have relationships that are personal and deepening and supportive and full of faith. And let's do it both personally and communally for the glory of God. Amen. Amen. I love you. I love being your pastor. Nathan, please come. I want to remind you, last week we received communion. And while we don't have it this Sunday, I'd ask you to, to reflect again upon the Lord. That his body was broken for you. His blood was shed for you. I don't know where you stand this morning, but you need to hear that God is not asking you to be broken or poured out before he's going to break himself for you and pour himself into you. As Jesus, God gave his only son so that you might receive him. He wants you to receive him this morning, to receive that life today. Whether you're a believer for the first time or you've been a believer all your life, Jesus wants you to receive him as Lord and Savior, the crucified one, the one risen from the dead. He will give you strength today.